Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Coming to you live on tape from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high-rise in beautiful Beverly Hills adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign, this is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully, joining me once again this week. Mark McGrath, the singer of Sugar Ray and the host of Mark McGrath's 120 Heard Weekends on the 90s on 9 here on Sirius XM. Mr. Tully, you are a glutton for punishment, my friend, and I thank you. It's always a joy to talk music with you. How's uh, 90s on 9 doing? It's fun, man. It's really fun. We go over there and we just have a little community going on. We talk about 90s things, things that happened to us in the 90s. Uh, who's better, in sync or Backstreet Boys? Important topics like that. So make sure you check out the show. Mark and Russ 120, 90s on 9. I like the 90s. 90s were fun. It was the last decade of the record label. Mm-hmm. It was also the decade where the walls came down, meaning genres were broken down, meaning Lollapalooza age, if you will. Yeah. You were hearing pop music stations going, coming up next, we have Eminem, Mariah Carey, Blink-182, and Sugar Ray. I mean, all different sort of genres of music, but all kind of lumped together. So mm-hmm. I think it's when the walls came down, Yeah. And, and it was probably the golden age of of selling records. In fact, they were selling so many records, they had to make up a new denomination called Diamond. Right, for 10 million. For 10 million, they were selling so many records. I would love to have video of, like every city had their local big top 40 person. Yes. And I would love to see video of the first time that guy, because it was usually a guy, introduced Smells Like Teen Spirit on the local Top 40 station and how he... Because I've, I've worked in Top 40 enough to know that they have to... It's like, don't scare anybody. Right. We're just... Everybody's just getting through their day. They're in their car. Nothing can deviate from the norm. We don't want anything to pop in the slightest. And there was no denying that that song was a pop hit. It was popular. And yet, they had to come out of the latest Mariah Carey and go, well, here's a little something new. <laughs> you know, it's so funny you say that because that song... Uh, woke me up from a drunken stupor at four in the morning. I remember I was asleep in my ex-drummer's uh, apartment. I was on the ground on the carpet, as you do when you're 2021, 20, hungover, and the radio was on, and that song woke me up out of my sleep. Mm-hmm. Now, that's when I knew something different was happening. What What is this? What am I hearing? And it was on K-Rock, which is an alternative station. So I can only imagine when that song eventually made its way to the pop charts, which I'm interested. I wonder how high... Smells like Teen Spirit got in the charts. Let's see if we can find that out. I mean, it was had to be top 10, but I don't think it got to number one. There had to be a Michael Jackson or Mariah Carey song keeping it out of there. Well, there's always the famous thing, right, that they literally um, knocked Michael Jackson out of number one. I don't even know if it's true or not, but it's like the- From me- bad? For the, the album, yeah, the, the meta- album. The metaphorical end of the 80s transitioning to the 90s is when Smells Like Teen Spirit, um, uh, never mind- Knocks, knocks, or knocks it out. Michael Jordan, uh, Michael Jackson, Adam, <laughs> the, the also, number one spot, also yeah. very big at the time. Right, absolutely, <laughs> three, three, three peating. Yeah. Huge. Um, let me. See. It is interesting when you when you, you can tell exactly when the eighties died. You know, it's when Nevermind came out. Uh, the whole explosion of that. Hard to tell when the nineties died if it ever died. Very interesting. The nineties. Well, right. That was kind of the musically. End of, that was the end of decades. Meaning things you could put your finger on. That's right. This there was nothing the 80s, 80s after Nevermind came out is what I'm trying to say. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. I would say in rock and roll, you at least had the last <sighs> of reinvention <laughs> of the garage rock thing. Yeah. Of with when, the white stripes and, and the strokes, and, right, and right. they tried to throw the vines in there, which was and they tried to throw Interpol in there, you know, just all that. But uh, yeah, yeah, that was yeah, that was early two thousands, early noughties, right? 2001, 2002. Yeah, the, the it yeah, appears, I guess I guess you could say yeah, that's true, that's true. It appears because when that's, that's when it white, you know, yeah. white. We were kind of the hair metal of the nineties, yeah. the Smash Mouth, the Sugar A's, Everclear, and that kind of wiped us all off the boards. Mm-hmm. You know, like Third Eye Blind, Everclear, Smash Mouth, Sugar Ray. Thanks for playing. We got we got the vines, we've got uh, the strokes, and you know, and we got the, the white stripes. It wasn't the complete overhaul and domination. That Not you've like seen it was in the past. And the thing that I would always point to is, I think in uh, pop radio they call it uh, active rock. Yes, yes. So there was there was like Pearl Jam, and then there was like Creed ripping off Pearl Jam mm-hmm. and mainstreaming and bastardizing what they did, and then that kind of has just never stopped. No, good point. There's still a bunch of bands touring, selling records. Off that type of, that yeah. have never had to go, they've never known the hibernation of when you get really big for this thing and you're all in on that thing and all of a sudden the bottom drops out. Goes, right. Oh my God, you do that thing? And you're like, you loved this thing like three weeks ago. I think we might have been the last guys to do that. And then you go underground for five, ten years, whatever it is, and, and then you get you're to come back out and you're cool. Yeah. They've never ever had to. Like, never who, had that who farted moment. Yeah. Like, who, 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 just, the, who did that? You know? Like, Disturbed are very early two thousands. I don't know who's right before them, but those bands have just just been disturbed for well, the new metal. The new metal's way before Disturbed. Remember that yeah. sort of new metal thing? And Disturbed was kind of being sucked into that new metal thing, yeah. but they got out. Yeah, Biscuit you know? obviously had to go underground. For Biscuit a little went while. underground. And they still are sort of. I mean, they they still play in Europe and uh, they do yeah. well out there. Uh, right. A uh, corn but, but, never but stopped. You know, starting they, with the Disturbeds, they never yeah. had that that embarrassing. Why are you guys doing no, this? You no, know, the lights no. come on at the nightclub kind of thing. Never. And they were just uh, David as a singer is just too talented. The guy's just got such an amazing vocal. You know. There's some guys that can't be denied. Now, yeah, it's, a, it's a your own style. And that, some, that wasn't for everybody. But <laughs> if you've heard no, the Sounds of Silence, their version, it's it's. I, I, don't, I don't care if you I hate have. it or not. I know that's incredible. It's moving. It's incredible vocal performance. It's well, undeniable. As somebody who just forced you to listen to a band called Kick Tracy <laughs> Didn't performing force, Mrs. Robinson. And I loved it. I can't, uh, I, I guess we're... I, I can't say anything. It all goes back to a Simon and Garfunkel cover. So uh, we have, we, when you and I get talking, we tend to not talk about the things that I thought we were going to talk about. So I plan these shows and then we end up with a bunch of uh, stuff that I thought we were going to talk about that we don't get to. So I thought today we could do a little bit of house cleaning, cleaning and finish up a couple of topics we have touched on in the past. Sounds good. A little um, potpourri, a little hodgepodge of uh, Atali McGrath. Yeah, let's start the grab bag with, uh, we talked about songs that may have been uh, coincidental similar to mm. other songs or may have been flat out ripped off. Um, last time we talked about this, we learned that uh, Metallica may have more than borrowed Enter Sandman from a Los Angeles band called Excel, and that um, ACDC more or less deserves a full writing credit on Motley Crue's Dr. Feelgood. Yes. And now I will start with uh, this little ditty that you and everyone else I think will remember. Great song. Liked it the first time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so everybody everybody knows everybody knows Green Day, and uh, maybe people didn't make the connection. (laughs) 
Now you know what Petula Clark and Green Day have in common, people. Man, I now, do you give do you give Green Day a pass on that? That's almost a subconscious rip. I don't think Billy Joe went. Let me rip off Petula. Clark. You maybe, know, maybe, yeah. I miss when there was pop songs like that, like with orchestras and Nelson Riddle involved, and like that is Wait, such an incredible what's, piece. What's of, the name you just said? Nelson Riddle. Who's that? Nelson Riddle did a lot of the orchestration of these pop songs. Frank Sinatra. Um, uh, you know, he was kind of in the Quincy Jones territory in the at Ocean Way over here in the '60s. Okay, with Dean Martin, uh, did a lot of stuff with Frank Sinatra. Might have scored that for Tula Clark. Maybe not though, because she's from uh, the UK, isn't she? Uh, but what a great song! And I'm gonna I give just Green- miss pre-choruses. A- it's uh, in the last time we we did a show together. I was shitting on the Broadwayization of music, but I kind of miss. The light Broadwayization of a little bit of showbiz. You know? When when Broadway and exactly when when Broadway and and pop intersect, but pop wins. Good things happen. Yeah, good things happen. Okay, well, uh, maybe- but I'm definitely gonna give Green Day a pass on that, bro. Because I, I I don't think that comparison's ever been made to him. Do you think? You don't think anybody ever said that to him? I don't. I think you're so smart. And you, you're really- no, that's not mine. I actually mentioned um, that I was doing this to uh, to Will Pendarvis, our friend Will Pendarvis. Oh, yes, indeed. That I said I was doing potentially ripped off songs, and that was the one of the first things that came out of his mouth. That's interesting. Yeah. And I wonder if that's a will thing or if that's something on the net. Because I, I maybe, mean, Or maybe it's just a thing. Everybody has their thing that they notice that nobody exactly. else Exactly. It just connects with him for some reason. Because it's such a small rip. Yeah. You know, some things we've been playing, it's like you're taking a full riff and you're mm-hmm. making a song about it. Yeah. That's, you know, she's saying downtown. He's saying, what, he's saying something else, isn't he? Waiting. Yeah, he's not even saying downtown. So, yeah, well, he, I, you don't take, when you rip off songs, you don't take the words and the music. Well, some of these guys have. The crew did. So did. Uh... No, the crew didn't rip off the words. No, no. That gung, 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 gung. Uh, you, 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 what was that, that song you played? It was exact riff. The music was the same. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was uh, Night of the Long Knives by ACDC. And then the verse was, the verse music was the same. The melody was different. It's just as criminal ripping off the verse, the lyric, as it is the music. You know, Vanilla Ice will tell you that. Yeah. Well, but when you do the riff and then you go straight into the verse. Well, yeah, you're going to have problems. That's real, real You're going to hear from some lawyers. Maybe that was a coincidence. How about this? Wow. Back to the Green Day train, huh? Now, why do I know this rip? Yeah. Is, is it, was, was a rip famous? It depends on how you define famous. I, I, I define it as a hit song. Uh, Then, yeah, yeah, I think you would say. Here's the rip. Uh, I don't know, man. That's an ascending. It's a great song. It's a giant hit, man. Peter Cetera. Um, what happened? Am I supposed to know what happened to Peter Cetera in Chicago? Uh, did you see the documentary? No. The documentary is fantastic. It's an Eagles documentary territory fantastic. No kidding. It's three hours long. They've had a whole history of Chicago. It's incredible. Yeah. Huge falling out between Peter Cetera and Chicago. Peter Cetera went to go work with David Foster, the producer David Foster. Okay. Known for those soaring ballads, and he went to go work for the Karate Kid. And I am a man who will fight. I would have a falling out Remember with the that? guy well, if, that's if, where... I, if I had once made, uh, does anybody really know what time it is and all of a sudden he was the and, man who will fight for your honor? Well, that's sort of where the rub is. And that song went to number one. Like it's... a man of China, no, my, <laughs> a long time ago. 
Good voice, though. Great voice. So that's kind of, I think, believe where the friction started with Chicago, with Shy Town. But I'm going to give Green Day a pass again because that's like a ascending. And Green Day's is more like a GCD thing. No way. Green Day's is. No, it's. I think it's the exact same chord progression played, it's a different strumming pattern. Of the in the same time with the same pauses. Okay, I, I want I want to agree with you. This is why we do this. You know what I'm saying? Is is this a, a listener? By the way, this your ta- that. A listener. A, a, a listener suggested okay. that. Yeah. No, it's it's close, and I, and I see where they're going with it. I'm just again, mm-hmm. and 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 we've had a discussion before. When you've written the material that Billy Joe has, mm-hmm. you're going to get passes. The guy's written 40 great songs by himself. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. You no. Know, so if there's any sort of interpolation or sort of overlap of ideas, I'm going to ben- give the benefit to Billy Joe on that. Yeah, I. I tend to agree, and I also, the last time we talked about this, I, I said this, and I'll say it again. I am not a lawyer, and I don't have any money in, in the in the game of these. I don't particularly care. What I care about is if you if you take a song, and you clearly take something, and then you make a new song out of it that has absolutely nothing to do, and it's not exactly sampling. You just took that and ran with it, whether it was conscious, unconscious, subconscious, as a fan I don't care. That's totally cool by me. I actually think it's kind of neat. Right. It's like a primitive form of sampling. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, you know, because there's some sampled songs where the it was just a good sample, and mm-hmm. the person didn't add anything to them. Exactly. And then there's some songs where they took the sample and they ran with it. So if you, let's call it sampling, took it and ran with it, as a fan, I'm not offended by it, even if that's what's going on. I think it is debatable that that is what's going on there, yeah, but I think it's worthy. It's, it's worthy of consideration, especially when you're talking about chords. You know, chords are. It, it's hard to go sue someone for a chord arrangement. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I, all right. It's you know, as a person who've written songs and used samples, you yeah. know, you, you, if you use someone's master, you take their master of their chord thing and put it on your master. Now, now you got a problem. That's but if you're doozy. just playing chords, you know, it's different. It, it's it's hard. It'd be very hard to have a legal case on that. I believe. Okay. Unless, what about if there were lots and lots of chords in your progression? Well, there was four in that, right? So the green dicker. Five. And then the dun 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 Yeah. So I still don't think you could. Chords are chords. Okay. But I don't know. What about if we're talking about riffs? Now we're in melody territory. Boy, Green Day's not getting a break today. All right, so people will recall yep. this was uh, kind of the kind of the lean years, but still, uh, you know, successful and 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 memorable and platinum record successful. Way. Yeah, you know, yeah, platinum platinum lean years. But you know, but coming off the diamond record, these were the uh, lean years. And then we have now that's. A- He loves the Kinks too. Does he? Yeah, they it's did a cover up. They, they fucking they, tried with the Kinks. I don't even. I still, you just hate classic rock. I guess so. Yeah. I'll still go back and try with Queen and the Who, the Who. and what have you. I've pretty much made up my mind that I do not care for the Kinks. Yeah, the the Kinks are also a band that did not age well. They're so English. 
And the production. I usually like that. Yeah. Well, and they actually, Green Day covered us. So tired, tired of waiting, tired of waiting for you. You know that King song? I do not. So, so we're making a real connection now where that is either a subconscious or a rip. Even yeah. though Billy Joe goes to the other key, I think, on the dun 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 where they stay on the same thing. I think I'm noticing with his questionable rips. Yes. I tend to like where he goes with them. Well, they're tasteful riffs. Well, and also the the He does just enough to change, is what you're saying? And the change that he makes, I tend to think I tend to prefer the maybe it's just because I've heard a lot of his ones you know, first well, just making something better too. <laughs> yeah, well, that's another thing. If you take something and you improve it as a fan, which is where I'm coming at this from, I'm I'm okay with that. It's just when you just sort of take and, stuff. And I've yet to hear a Billy Joe melody rip yet. Turn a vocal melody. We're, okay, we're, we're doing guitar rips, and there he's a huge Kinks fan. Mm-hmm. So that is either I'm going to rip this off, or I'm inspired by it, or it's a subconscious rip. But that is a connection I'm making for sure. Okay, so it's melody you want. It's a melody I want and melody I will have. Okay. Remember when everybody was talking about how amazing it was that you wrote this nine-minute song with all these parts in it? <laughs> you know this. Oh, yeah. There's ten rip-offs in here. <laughs> Ryan Adams is in here. That's the next Mata part. Mata Hoople's in here. Well, okay, that's a good point. How do they get, how do they get away from this one? That's okay, that, Does everybody? Well, That's okay. all the young dudes. End of story. Oh, so, so, okay. Here's what's really fucking funny, dude. What? No, that's not where I'm going with this. Oh. No, that's that's amazing. I know the yeah, that all the young dudes. Yeah, it's, it's not even close. It's well, somebody ripped off Mop the Hoople, but good. And uh, you must know this. Hold on, hold on. Oh my God! Pretty boy Floyd. Uh, this is Motley Crue. Oh, it sounds like. I mean, that's that's that's, that's on with the show by Motley same Crue. Thing. It's the same exact thing. same thing. It's. And by the way, I'm disgusted with myself for saying Pretty Boy Floyd, but I just wanted to say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is the one show where references to Pretty Boy Floyd are always right. welcome. <laughs> oh my God, dude, that's a. Uh, by the way, God, Pretty Boy Floyd is such a Motley Crue ripoff. Now we could go on that. Um, See, I've always nobody cares about that. I, everybody says that. I don't even think he sounds like Vince. Dude, I just, I just right you away. Thought, I know you thought I just it wasn't, wasn't even close. Rock, rock, sporting, I rock. They got the same tone, the same nasally tone. Everybody, same I, thing. I, 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 I know. This. But that, that mel- boy, that descending vocal, that is such a rip of that. And why doesn't uh, Ian Dury just go, bro? Oh, is he Mott the Hoople? Yeah. So sex and drugs and rock and roll. Oh, my mind didn't buy any. I had no idea. I didn't know who that guy was. I had a very funny mental image of who that guy was that, that was not a guy from Mott the Hoople. Mott the Hoople? I thought he was like some like uh, record label guy or journalist guy or something <laughs> who was just like, oh, everybody loves drinking with me. I'll make one of these songs and I can get on stage. Right, right. I, I, you know what? I, I'm, I'm, I'm not myself today. It was Ian Hunter, not Ian Dury, because I wanted to be that. So, so bad. Ian Hunter is, is a... Mott the so is a singer from Mott the Hoople. He's, he's, okay. he's Ian Anderson as Jethro Tull. And then picking up where we left off in Jesus of Suburbia oh, by Green Day. Oh yeah. I mean, didn't everybody know this? This just wasn't even close. The last forever. Oh, I don't even I need to play just... Brian Adams. I mean. I was always wondering, okay, when's the lawsuit done? 
The summer seems to last forever. It's just un- Is it because they're Green Day they get a pass? Yes. Oh, well, absolutely. Obviously, if that was some, some but that nobody. that was such a big, big thing. It was commercial and critical. So it's Brian Adams giving away millions of dollars. Go, ah, cool. I'm cool. Well, and how would you even get. You go, I want 30, I want a third of that song. But the song has 15 parts. Great. I, but the, the album sold 10 million copies. You, yeah. you, if you have a third of a song on that, that's that's three, four million to you in your lifetime. So are you, would you be entitled to a, a third, do you think, even though it is just one part of a nine minute song? It, it, it depends on, it's such an important part of that song too, mm-hmm. that melody. And as is the 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 All the Young Dudes part, mm-hmm. I, I, you're going to have a couple of generations of songwriters on that song. But I think you're right. It's Green Day. They get a pass. If it was, you know, Green Day's first single, you'd be hearing from a bunch of lawyers it makes me wonder about so that's i think it's more than a coincidence that there's more than a couple of green day and when you can when you can uh, really nail them on a couple of of rips yeah it it makes me more dubious about him on some of the other ones i would never dispute there's no way he's ripped off all their songs oh no no that's stupid no way how many other songs are ripped off though like what about how many other basket i never heard i mean basket is sounds like something I've heard before, but oh, it's really? not. Oh, really? See, I think well, it just sounds like a great of... punk rock song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, of, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of uh, Longview. Longview. Yeah. Longview, I've never really quite heard that song, and, and that's super cool. Basket Case is more in the category of everybody's got one of yeah, those. Yeah, you know, a melodic punk song. Yeah, you know? which is why, I, you but know But a what? great one. It's You can't find online except on Spotify. Do you know the, do you know Dillinger 4? I know the band, yeah. I'm falling fucking hard for that band. Yeah, that guy, that guy can sing. His, oh, his boy, they are song. so fucking good. And I guess everybody knew this but me. They have a song called Double Whiskey, Coke, No Ice. Yeah. That's, well, I'll sing the beginning for I you. I don't know it very well. I'll sing the beginning for you. It goes, that's American Idiot. And it's just, these guys are working in bars. Yeah, but then it's Billy Joe. How unpunk rock is it? You know, the best thing you do is rip off Green Day because how unpunk rock is it to sue somebody? You You're know? right. They should. They really should. Any just bands that rip off Green Day? They should just do an entire album of Green Day covers. <laughs> they should. And just, just call, call them original. their own. Yeah. yeah. Be funny. That would be the punkest thing you could do. Here's a new record. Yeah. It's called Dookie. I was going to go see. <laughs> I was going to go see Dillinger for the other day, and I flat out fell asleep. And they and they're one of these bands that it's like uh, they go on at one o'clock or something. Well, it, it, it's like a. A, a miraculous appearance of an apparition. It's like aliens have landed. They don't Dillinger play a lot? For, I don't think they do. And because I literally, I was just reading this big article about them since I've become interested in their music. Since I started researching this and found out, what, finding out about that potential rip made me get into their catalog. And boy, are they good! To me, they're they're doing for me. Although they're not exactly the same, what I kind of always wanted Jawbreaker to do for me, right? Dillinger Four are doing for interesting. me. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And I like. There's another band called the Dillinger Escape Plan. Yes, they're and they're also a good band. But they're yeah, they're great. Yeah. Dillinger, where's Dillinger Four from? Midwest. Midwest. Yeah. No, they're they're super uh, they're super cool. Um, Jawbreaker, where are you on them? I, I I'm I'm here's what I feel like. I feel like I I'm supposed to like Jawbreaker. Mm-hmm. You know, I know the pedigrees there. I know everybody. It's everybody's musician's favorite band. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm it's it's more discord to me. More it's more Jesus Lizard to me. You know, I, I like the hits, dude. I like Melody and, mm-hmm. and Jawbreaker. Yeah, they're part of that quicksand, orange nine millimeter thing. I get it. And and, and, and I just, it never, it was a little post-hardcore to me that didn't speak to me. Yeah. That's it. I don't dislike Jawbreaker. So See, s- I'm, save, even, save the I'm even worse than you because 
there's the two albums that you're supposed to love. Yeah. That I cannot get into. I can't. I, I, I mean, unlistenable is a tough word to to use. But... Were they the ones on the major label, and then you like the one that was on like the indie label? No. Though. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, su- <laughs> I'm supposed to like you're that guy. I'm supposed to like unfun, which was you know. Right. And then something weird happened with that guy. Like, he had like throat cancer or something, and, I have no and idea. quit smoking. And so his voice is really, really different on their mm. third album, their major label debut that was supposed to catapult them into. They were supposed to be Green Day before. Yeah, Green they were Day, the next ones, yeah. and it didn't happen. And that's the album that I think the hardcore fans are out on, dear you. That album I actually love. So there's good songs on it. Oh my god, yeah. Oh really? You should listen to you should listen to Dear You. By, well, I'll, it's, I'll, it's I'll, different. I'll revisit that because there's kind of two bands. And I have you, a stigma attached to them. I can't say I listen to a lot of them, but I have a stigma attached to them that makes me not want to go listen to them. Oh, uh, they've got a song called Jet Black that'll that'll really? rock your world. Yeah, right on. Yeah, really good. Um, stealing music is not limited to the pop music sphere, or at least some would allege. This is just kind of. Uh, kind of fun you will well you'll recognize the first bit the second bit is from a classical composition by Dvorak yeah I will not know the second oh yeah you will well you'll know the first part (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna need a bigger boat (laughs) and then here's Dvorak Someone claimed that as their own? John Williams, our, the world's most acclaimed film composer. Well, he's done a few things, yeah. Yeah. But, but there was no uproar. There, is that a, inspired by? Is that a tip of the cap to? Is that a co-write? Um, well, I don't think you have to worry about it when it's in public domain. You're talking about music that's over 100 yeah, that's years true, old. That's true. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It was a different time. I think people would have talked about it differently. I think there may have been more of a tip of the cap on this one. John Williams knew what he was doing, is what I'm trying to say. You would have to think, You think he just right? fell upon that, discovered that? Obviously, that is his realm, mm-hmm. classic, you know, uh, classic music. Yeah. So that wasn't, I think he felt that would be really good. I want to wish, I, I hope he, I, I was hoping he wrote that by himself. Yeah. Because it, now it kind of taints the Jaws thing for me. The music was so, uh, I think even Steve, uh, Spielberg even said that. He goes, uh, you know, the, the music uh, of Jaws when you think about it you never really see the shark it's the music that scares you you know right and I, it, it became a character in the movie yeah it happens yeah how, how good is um, Halloween without that? I, that exactly exact same thing sometimes that really uh... it adds to the drama it adds to you know you're, you're not you're, you're, your mind is playing tricks on you you know the shark is coming yeah. even though you don't see it you know? I, th- I think it's not unheard of for people to borrow things from classical music just because you can get away with Ugh. it that's because it's free. 90s trivia. Uh, you probably know this. I'm led to believe, what's the big EMF album? Um, uh, what, Sherbert Dip. Schubert Dip. Schubert Dip. Supposedly because whenever the guitar player was stuck for song ideas, he would dip into Schubert. Ah, this I do not know. I think I heard that on the 80s countdown. I love it. Yeah. On the 80s countdown? I think so. Oh, well, no, that doesn't make any sense. They wouldn't have been on the 80s countdown. 91. So I don't know how the hell... I know that. But uh, but yeah, so there's nothing wrong with people. I've tried it because uh, I've heard that I think maybe Aerosmith said doing the same thing. You just go in and you pull something out and then yeah. you can make your own shit out of it. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not that smart. I don't Everybody's see what I can, been inspired by though. But I don't see what I can pull out of Mozart and make into a rock song. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. If you can They're do using it. chords and I don't even know what they are. Yeah. You get into sevenths and nines, I'm out. So this may have been more of a, of an acknowledged borrow or inspiration. Um, we all know that uh, Star Wars was inspired 
in large part by like the just like uh, Indiana Jones, the serialized adventure movies mm-hmm. that George Lucas uh, and later Steven Spielberg with Indiana Jones watched when they were young. So I think they were intentionally going for right. that. So there's a movie called um, King's Row from uh, the 1940s, and you'll recognize the first bits. <laughs> I mean, come on. Okay, no, this is Star Wars. We're listening to Star Wars. That's fine. Here's King's Row. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'd say took it and made it better. It's still King's Row, by the way. Yes. They kept the good parts. Yes, that's right. They edited the good parts. Still King's Row. They just moved that up a little. You see that where that break was? They moved it up. This is Star Wars? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I guess we're still going Star Wars here. I haven't listened to this in a while. I'm guessing King's Row really makes this pay off. Is this ever going to switch back over? To, I mean, how the fuck the fuck? I think we're just going to hear it forever. We're going to watch the movie. Oh, wait. Here it comes. Uh-oh. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same song. You know what's amazing? How the production even sounds the same. Yeah. Because mom was recorded, what, 50 years earlier? 40 years earlier? Oh, but this isn't the ba-ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba-ba-da. That's, They're just doing it. That's the, King's Row. Yeah, that's King's Row. That's, so the one, I don't know why they did it, because I didn't hear a, a comparable part in King's Row, but yeah, the first bit. Yeah, that is, uh, again, a rip. Yeah. We have found one, for sure. Okay, so that's what I got for, uh, at least for now, for uh, ripped off music. Now, that is a, a fun, fun theme, and I know you do a ton of research, Tully, to get that together, man. I appreciate that. That's fun. That's fun. Thank you. Uh, we also uh, talked about... Um, classic albums that received um, less than sterling reviews upon their release. Their arrival, yeah. And then in retrospect, we're like, how could they? Yeah, exactly. It seemed Rolling Stone did that a lot. Yeah, Rolling Stone has been a a pretty primary offender in this. And um, uh, so far we have heard that the, what, I think Abbey Road got shit on. Why, that was terrible. I think Sgt. Pepper, wasn't did Something, uh... The first Jimi Hendrix, the first Led Zeppelin... The first Cream record, was it, was Cream? Or, uh, no, no, it wasn't Cream, the first uh, Black, one of the Black Sabbaths, um, and also Heart of Gold from Neil Young. Oh, yeah, yeah. All, or just, just terrible, don't waste your money. <laughs> all pieces of garbage. In the garbage bin, you'll never hear from them again. So let's see, so this next review is from Rolling Stone... 1976. <clears throat> Those concerned with the future of hard rock may take solace in knowing that with the release of the first album by these gross-out champions, the genre has unquestionably hit its all-time low. Things can only get better. It's the Sex Festival, right? Uh, it is not. Okay, good. Um, blank has nothing to say musically. Two guitars, bass, and drums all goose-stepping together in mindless three-chord formations. New York Dolls? 
Lyrically, their universe begins and ends with the words I, me, and mine. Lead singer Blank spits out his vocals with a truly annoying aggression, which I suppose is the only way to do it when all you seem to care about is being a star so that you can get laid every night. <laughs> That's not the New York Dolls. No, isn't it? That would be a perfect review like the, of the Sex Pistols, and The too. Sex Pistols, until they got the two guitars. That, that It's not a Clash review. Mm-mm. That would never be them. Um, it, it's It's... Gosh, why don't I know this? Uh, it's not um, two guitars, right? They said two, two guitars. guitars. Definitely two guitars. Two guitars, I, me, three-quarter uh, sludgy yeah. nonsense. Um, we all love it now. We sure do. Oh, man, how dare you? That's... How off base they were. ACDC wasn't even in my mind because, of course, we all love ACDC in retrospect and changed the world and blah blah blah. Especially this record, High Voltage. I love this record, man. Just when we thought rock and roll, I said couldn't get any worse. Along comes these. We've hit the bottom of the barrel, boy. What I would love (laughs) to play a couple songs for the person who wrote that review. Does it say who wrote those? Because all those Rolling Stones critics back then were, were not well. That they were also stars in their own right. Yes, they were. You they remember, were. like, no, it, that's a superstar review. I don't know who wrote yeah. it. That is a superstar review. You lived in the day age of the Lester Bangs, the yeah. you know that the, the, the camera girls that they were stars in their own right. You yes, know? yeah, right. Like, uh, is it Lester Bangs? That's who um, uh, the Kareem guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what's his face was playing in Almost Famous. Uh, Cameron Crowe. No, no, well, Cameron Crowe made the movie. Uh, 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 God, what is his name? Passed away. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, Philip Seymour, exactly. The whole exactly. thing he where he's on Lester the phone. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Right. So that's a guy who it's, believed his opinion was worth well, a whole hell of a lot. Yeah. And, and it kind of was because, look, there was no social media then. You know, you had a guy who was the purveyor mm-hmm. of what he thought was cool and what was coming next, and he had a good track record, apparently. I'd love to see, yeah, the reviews that were correct. Yeah, well, because all we ever read are the ones where they, you know, where, where they completely miss the boat. How much? What was the percentage? What yeah. was his percentage? What was his batting average? And and yeah, and 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 what did it take for you to lose your credibility when you were consistently shitting on things that not only were good but the public responded to in a major right. way? Right. At a certain point, don't you start to say, "Wait a second. But then you can go in your own hole and go, "I don't like what the public likes," and I'm like, you know, you know, what I mean, you could always criticism is something you always can hide behind, you know. Yeah. I mean, there's also bands we've talked about this before. Bands that always get a. I mean, I don't even have to review it, the next Bob Dylan record. I know it's amazing. I know it's great. Yeah. I know I can't believe after all these years he's still doing it. Yeah. Still has something to say. I can write the first three paragraphs right now without listening to it. Mm-hmm. Radiohead's record. I don't need to listen to it. I'll tell you exactly what anybody's gonna say about it. I wonder if these were just sort of the Stephen A. Smiths of their day. I, I, Stephen A. Smith right. is just loud and wrong. Right. He's all the time. So many times, and Max is. Continually, like checking him yeah. and fact checking him, and he just gets louder. You know. Yeah. Okay, that's a good one. Here's uh, here's one from a couple years later. This is this guy. I've, I've, I know him by reputation, and it's always uh, it's not in a good way. Is it Robert Christgau? Is that how I'm supposed to say that? Christgau. Christgau is that? It? I'm not sure, but yeah, he's the been around self, forever. The self-proclaimed dean of American um, He was the American LA Times critics. writer as well. I think that's... Uh, Robert Hilburn and Robert Chris Gow. Yeah, and Chris Gow, he wrote this in the Village Voice in the late 70s. For some reason, Warner's, Warner Brothers, wants us to know that this is the biggest bar band where they come from. 
It's going to be Van Halen, isn't that it? That doesn't mean much. All new bands are bar bands. The term becomes honorific when the music belongs in a bar. This music belongs on an aircraft carrier. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure what he means, but I don't think... Yeah, I don't think it was a uh, compliment. No loss for hyperbole, these folks. And... You don't understand how you hear Eddie Van Halen's guitar player as a critic and not go like, I could do it without the singing, I could do it without something, but this this guitar playing revolution, especially yeah, that. I know, and I'm not yeah, just saying that in retrospect. No, everybody knew it. Yeah, the production's a little suspect. The yeah. singer's not my cup of tea. He won't shut up. I find it so funny how David Lee Roth, like, Eddie Van Halen can be literally reinventing the instrument, and he's still like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, just refuses to see the spotlight. <laughs> I mean, he'll be screaming all over his solos and stuff, like, whistling, whistling yeah. there. But, uh, but listen, there ain't there no, goes. there ain't no Eddie, there ain't no Eddie Van Halen without and, and DLR. You know? Yeah, you know, it's, it's I mean, they really true. ain't. They both fed each other. I don't know if anybody, there's a book out there about the, uh, just came out last year, I think, about Van Halen's beginnings, and. They both were in rival bands, mm-hmm. and they both were okay on their own, and they got together, and they needed each other. They didn't really like each other, yep. but they needed Dave's soul and his showbiz, and David needed that guitar playing and that uh, that uh, that virtuosity. Yeah, and it's amazing how often, and, and that is to the, the point that you made a couple times about people wonder why bands aren't together. Yeah. These are so often, <clears throat> they're almost like of necessity marriages of convenience, because mm-hmm. If you're super similar dudes, and it's very often dudes we're talking about, you might be sort of redundant. And but be very, average together. But, yeah, but very often it is, you're salt and I'm pepper. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we have salt and pepper. And salt and pepper as well. And out comes the diamond from that duress. Yeah. Now, the duress is very- gets fired. There's right. another Spinderella. There's another Spinderella. Spinderella. the original's back, so it's all good. <laughs> I just played with him last year. But anyway, yeah, I did a little Vegas How are salt thing. and pepper doing? They're great. They're I, a fun show. I love salt and pepper. They're a fun show. They play all their hits, and they, they do a bunch of- like They'll play like they'll play Smells Like Teen Spirit. Oh, really? And they'll just start rocking out to it and stuff. Yeah. It's great. It's a fun, fun party show. Uh, but, you know, that duress, the, that, that you know, the the um, the clashing of personalities in a band is great for art. Mm-hmm. Terrible for traveling together. Traveling. That's a, oh God, okay. that's such a good point. I don't know if anybody and, has made that exactly. You know when you go on, you know when you go on a road trip with your best friend and you want to fucking And you can't stand them other? after an hour? Yeah. Try it with guys you don't really like too much, or you don't get along with, or you just see eye to eye differently politically, yeah. or whatever. You want you just eat different foods. I mean, and then then put pressure on that, mm-hmm. and it, it's just bound to explode. I mean, I can't believe bands are still together. I mean, and I always say this: bands that are still together with the original members after all these years are either bands that never really made it and still get together every now and then after working their day jobs, and hey, we're still the original guys, or they're the Eagles and you too that can travel in separate planes and separate things. They're rarely bands of our caliber were you know what i mean They're- that's a very interesting point you're right it's easier to 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 once you get over the hump and you're out of the bus yeah and you're in planes and i'll see at the gig and i'll show up and molly crew did a tour of four years hate everybody you know what i mean because the money was there and they could travel in separate planes separate buses and mm-hmm. and, and just had to be on stage and they didn't need to dress each other once they got on stage the dressing rooms were on other sides of the things they stayed at different hotels they had different managers you know and that's how it works you know the crew dynamic i'd be curious to know about because I can see the personality with Tommy. It just seems like a, like Mick Mars ends up being like the kid in the divorce. Oh, yeah. He's just like, even though he's like 70 and he's just yeah. like, what are we doing? Great. And he's happy to be there and still rips, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think Tommy and Nikki are closest together. I think Vince is kind of on the peripheral. I think, you know, Vince does his own thing and 
That's it. Everybody's got a reason to have because, yeah. Everybody's got a reason to have a problem with everybody in Motley hey, I, Crue. I, I, and also, you got to bear in mind, you're not always dealing with music often comes, it's very cerebral, but sometimes also comes from the gut. You're not always dealing with the sharpest knives. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. So their their uh, their conflict management skills, maybe. And you got the guy who's not that smart, who's got all the talent, and you got yeah. the business mind. He's trying to work with the guy with all the talent, and then the guy, it just, it, I always wonder why people ask, why why aren't the original members together? I always wonder why people do that. Now, I know I'm going to ban, so I'm a little closer to it, but it's mm-hmm. like, again, it goes back to like, are you still with the original people you started working, whatever job you did, and, and, nine, and you know, when you were 20, 21? Of course not. Are you with a couple of them? Answer is probably, of course not. Well, I'm still with a couple of them, so I have a better percentage That's of sticking right. together with the guys that I started yeah. with than you do. You think, I, you think McGrath's difficult? You're difficult. You see me fix that <laughs> thing? You see me flipping on people? <laughs> uh, okay, here's another uh, jerk, man. review from Rolling Stone from 1979. <clears throat> We're getting the punk years now. No, this is not punk. More of the same dull pastiche that's <laughs> dominated all of this group's work. Tight guitar, bass, drums, heavy metal cliches, light classical pianistics, four-part harmonies that make the four freshmen sound funky, and throat-scratching lead vocals. Whatever it claims, this band isn't here just to entertain. This group has come to make it clear exactly who is superior and who is inferior. Indeed, they may be the first truly fascist rock band. Wow. The whole thing makes me wonder why anyone would indulge these creeps and their polluting ideas. Wow. Can you imagine what fucking assholes made this album? Do you know how hard you have to work to make a review like that? You know? Oh, my gosh. Uh, the piano. Um, There's clues in there, for sure. Are they still? No, it's not. At a piano. Um, Light classical touches. Light classical touches. Four-part harmonies. But they're Four-part. a fascist rock but band with heavy metal cliches. Those fascist jerks. Yeah. Uh, are we Deep Purple? Uh, I, I, I'm losing. Help me. Oh my God! How dare you? You know what's weird? They don't have a keyboardist though. But he played piano. Yeah, no, but he's not. You would never consider him a keyboardist, which is weird. They said, you know, they said uh, the drummer and the keyboardist. Did they? Yeah. He said something about the, this, that, and the keyboardist, I, and I think that's what threw me. Oh, light classical pianistics. No, guitar, bass, drums, heavy metal cliches, light classical pianistics. Well, then I, that, that's so yeah. obvious in retrospect. Now, right. Funny, yeah. Oh, missed so, yeah. it. Queen suck. How dare you? Yeah. How um, dare you? And you know what? That's you know, here's another pro- problem, and 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 back then especially, not so much today. You know, if if someone had a vendetta or just something against a band, I and mean, they could just crush you with the pen. Mm-hmm. You know, and for you, you had. I mean, and and you have to be queen to overcome some of these reviews. You know I, what I mean? I'm led to believe that. Imagine pe- a new band you started now. You didn't like the way a lead singer looked, or he, he, you know, he he dated someone you knew and didn't treat. You know, yeah. he could have crushed your career off the get go because MTV wasn't there, and people. I mean, they still do in England. Yeah, uh, get their news from you know from the papers and stuff. So I mean, I mean, there's, I mean, critics had a lot of say back then. This I think that's what we're seeing here. Mm-hmm. You know, I think contrary to what people would assume, I don't think it should be that shocking to anyone to learn that maybe Led Zeppelin didn't get some great reviews on the on their first album because I agree. they're 
I mean, it's crazy, but yeah, they're just sort of like a blues rock band, and maybe somebody thought that they weren't reinventing the wheel or whatever. I think everybody would assume that Queen were have always been critical darlings, and it could not be further than the, from the truth. And the reason being, I'm led to believe, I wasn't there, obviously, because they didn't stick to the script. Right. And the fact that they would do a lot of their corny stuff wasn't perceived as being done with a wink. It was just perceived as, why are you a rock band that will occasionally lapse into opera? Right. Or, like, or, 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 or beer hall. Or, right. How you know, dare you make me think about this next record? How dare you grow? Or You know what I mean? How dare you yeah. evolve or, or, be, or, or, or try or, new styles? Or sound sensitive. Or sound Ooh, sensitive. you make me live or something right. like that. Right. that was, well, you could be sensitive, but that wasn't the way you were sp- supposed to be this sort of like wounded male glory, this exactly. free bird, this dream on kind of thing. Not just so like uh, like literal with it. You know yeah. what I mean? It had to yeah. have a little shroud of some sort of secrecy. Yeah. And Freddie was just straight from the heart. Yeah. You know, it's just strange though, because Queen had probably been around five, six years then. So that that's that. You know, oh yeah. I mean, no, imagine that, the that, labels that never... getting call from that guy going, "Dude, are you out of your mind? Yeah, this is Queen you're talking about." No, that review says this is more of the same shit from these guys they've been giving us for years. That's how it leads. God, fascist thing. I'm, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't even, I'm not really clear what fascist even means. And I'm certainly, I, I'm no closer to understanding what fascist means knowing, uh, I know who the fascists were, but I don't understand. I know fascist. I'm supposed to hate them. I, I know Google, the punkers hate them. I Google it from time to time. Oh, don't get them started. I know don't the get, punkers. I know Kraskin has started on the fascists. <laughs> <laughs> if you think they hate pop music, get them started hate on the fascists. <laughs> The fascist regime. Um, we have a couple minutes left, so let's go back and listen to- I can't to... believe this goes by so quickly. I know, I know. This is fun. Um, it is a labor of love putting these things together. Uh, going back to some questionable solo albums. This is another artist who um, the band was no more, and everybody was releasing solo albums. It wasn't as if he should not have been releasing solo albums. The question is, should he have been releasing this? Gotcha. Light cultural appropriation. Boy, this is still drawn by some Kabali. He's gone trapo. It's like a really bad Jimmy Buff. Trapo. Well said, yeah. Do you know what though? When I tell you that it is George Harrison. Wow. There is some distinctively George Harrison element to it as well. The vocal. I just can't believe he had a sense. Of, I didn't know he was just quirky. What what record was this off of? Uh, Gontrapa. What year was this? I think this is like eighty one. So it was it was on, pre set. Got my mind set. Eighty two. This is him lost. In the <laughs> Check this out. With one album due on his recording contract, George Harrison put together Gontrapo and then dropped out of the music business. <laughs> That's another one we're going to do sometime. Oh, my God. I might even bring back uh, Gontrapo for that. Oh. The uh, the contractual obligations the, album. The last record, the live record, or the oh, greatest hits package weirdness. Yeah. that That is him. Dude, I've got a weekend. We're going to do it in the barn of my country house. But why would you make it so weird and bad? Why It just you... sounds, because I think he's, George Harrison right there is stuck in a world of new wave and punk rock is taking over. Yeah. I am a Beatle. 
I'm going to take my little stab at it. I have no idea how it works. I know <laughs> what reggae's you guys are doing, yeah, but... I don't know what's happening. Uh, I'm, and I'm going to do it real lo-fi production. Uh-huh. Do you know what I'm saying? Because that's what the kids like. You, you know, that's him being lost in the wilderness until he came back with "Got my mindset on you," which is my second favorite. Uh, oh, okay, no, 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 no. I was going to say my second favorite Beatles solo song. I'm forgetting. John Lennon had a fairly distinguished solo. Oh, come career. on, yeah, yeah, dude. Okay. You got, I, just, I, that, that, I was thinking of the. But do you not like any Wings stuff? Um, Band on the Run is amazing. What about my love? I don't know that song. And when you know my love does it good, mm. and when you go away, sounds kind of schmaltzy. It is. Yeah. It's the schmaltziest thing of all time. But it's right the heartstring schmaltzy. You don't know my love? I don't think so. I know. Maybe I'm amazed. That's I know. Band on, on the that's Run. A great Band on the song. Run's incredible. Uh, is there another? Is there a? Is there a third? Is my love the third wing song? My love was a big song. Just another day was big. I mean, it, it, oh, just another day. I think just I another one. day. Do, 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 do. You know what shocked me? I don't know if I mentioned this to you before me. that that, that <laughs> I found out um, recently. I hadn't known. Um, I was going to put the uh, uh, for one of our one hit wonders failed follow ups. I was going to put Julian Lennon and try yeah. to figure out what the follow up was. It's just too late for True. goodbye. But I, I never realized that other one was hit. That other one's fucking great. Valat, the first single? Is that the one uh, sitting in the He did it. The world wanted him to be his dad, and for one song, he did it. So bad. <coughs> and there were two good songs. Remember the uh, It's Just Too Late to Goodbye video? Remember how his dad the, in, in the- Was he in the video? Was in the video. There was an image of his dad uh, in a silhouette with a white suit on during the- uh, uh, bed in sit days and so they just had him it was really cool he's playing piano ever since I've been leaving you I've been wanting to cry yeah. and have him look over in the corner there was this guy that looked like John Lennon with the white suit like doing a little crazy he John Lennon dance he fucking toured with a, like a, the specter of his dad you know like just like looming holograph, over the stage his dad. Just what, looking, looking what down the fo- I would love to know the follow up to that record that record was huge mm-hmm. that record was Terrence Trent Darby huge yeah. and then it just went away immediately <laughs> that's really funny showbiz baby I get that uh, yeah I, I don't know I saw him like in person at a bookstore uh-huh. recently and I'm, I'm happy to report he looks like he's doing great I think he's on a little HGH and I think it suits him really yeah, he so, looked like he looked a little Brucey. You know how Bruce looks so incredible. Nobody brings it up. The man's fucking seventy five years old. It is pretty incredible. So great genes, but yeah. like, what the fuck else is going on? You know all those HGH guys. I don't know if you know anything about this personally. Uh, they, uh, <laughs> I'm just beautiful on my own. They look great, but the, it's not puffy. They just look like. Ten percent larger than they used to be in every which way, but you know, like, it, like Bono kind of just got like a little bit more. You just solid. You, you get and, it. Yeah, but isn't it sort of like not a good look though? I don't want to look ten pounds rounder. It's I can not do that, that on my own. You just you, you get like more. Is it cinnery? chested, and I think your head gets a little bit bigger. <laughs> but it's that. all proportional, so it's okay. So it's so. It and works. when I saw Julian Lennon, he had a good. Short, so he looked in shape. He had a good short haircut, and he had a nice like brown leather jacket on. He yeah. looked like he was really, and he looked very youthful because I think he's juicing. But why not? But he's not that old. I think he's about a year or two older than me. Ironically, really? Yeah, I, yeah. He, he's probably fifty four, fifty five. Uh-huh. I believe. I'm sure I'll get a tweet, but um. He's actually a really nice guy. I've met him, dealt with him a few times. Lovely, nice gentleman. Glad to hear that. We got to go. We'll do this again soon. Oh, always a pleasure, Tony. You're Mark underscore McGrath. Hit me up. I'll get back to you. And uh, you got the 90s on 9. Mark McGrath's on 20, 9 p.m. Eastern, Friday night. MarkMcGrath.com. I like this. I'm Instagram, too.